Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. My name is Robin Robertson, and I'm the creator and host of this podcast. And as always, I'm grateful that you are here. I share the experience with you. I'm a home educating, actually an unschooling parent to two kids who are now in their teens, and we've been on this journey for quite a long time. And really, my biggest purpose of this podcast is sharing stories, information, resources, and the biggest thing, inspiration to all of you that are tuning in that like to learn more, that are having questions or doubts or fears about this journey, or that are, you know, looking at it and, you know, really considering a life of learning outside of the walls of the classroom or outside of the walls of school. And I want you to know that I provide a lot of additional support outside of this podcast as well. I have a free community that beats at least three times a week on the Clubhouse app where we have discussions, themed discussions on homeschooling, unschooling, learning, education, parenting, all of that that fits with this life learning journey. Go to the Clubhouse app and look for my club, Honey, I'm Homeschooling, and you'll see the full schedule of the weekly rooms, Mondays, Tuesdays, and then either a Friday or alternating Friday or Saturday. And I mean, it's usually hosted by myself along with another co-host, either Tyra Hunter, an unschooling mom, her daughter Zoe is a grown unschooler and professional artist, or Liana Francisco, another friend of mine who is a grown unschooler and now unschooling mom herself, or Kelly Edwards, who is the creator of the 90-minute school day. And we all come together and share a wealth of information along with extra additional guest hosts as well. So tune into that. Otherwise, there's my Patreon community that not only helps to support this podcast and create these episodes, but it also we also give back by offering you additional resources, downloads, PDFs, my game schooling guide you can find on there, Home Educating with Purpose workbook that offers you those big questions when you're stepping into homeschooling or unschooling and that de-schooling process as well. And I do monthly live Q&As the last Sunday of every month where you come and on Zoom we meet and I answer questions, we share stories. Sometimes we have a special guest for a specific topic, uh, but really it's my time to share with you and really listen and hear and share any insights and reflections that I have as well. And the discussions have been rich and deep and wonderful. So go to patreon.com slash honey, I'm homeschooling the kids. I have all these links in my show notes if you'd like to join that. And I really try and make it accessible for everyone. This summer, I've had it open for all Patreon levels, all payment levels, that everyone has access to that and really help your journey. So um, definitely check that out. And if you want to help support this podcast, leave a review as well. Um, I appreciate that and helps it to be seen and heard. And so, you know, this fall of 2022, I will be starting another Home Educating with Purpose masterclass. 
small group intimate masterclass. So reach out to me to put you, I can put you on the wait list. We will beginning, be beginning later fall. Um, and if you don't know already, I offer this. It's over a month. We meet once a week via Zoom. It is, I keep it small intentionally so that it's a close-knit, um, safe, fun place to share and learn and build. And it's really me helping to guide you on this natural learning journey, whether you're new to it and you're getting it set up, things to look out for, uh, tips and tools, stepping into the de-schooling process and ways that we can help and, and the questions to ask along that journey, looking at our home environment and how to build that out to be the best supportive learning environment we can, and getting to know our kids and any other resources or access that really will help support them on that learning journey. And you get a chance to connect with others in similar positions as you as well. So that is a fantastic masterclass. I recommend that. So just email me, go to my contact page on my website or DM me through social media if you're interested in getting on the wait list and the information will be be going out very soon this month. So this episode is a fantastic episode. Kohila Sivas is my guest. She's been on the show before specifically talking about math learning. Um, She is a math coach, educator, entrepreneur, and we not only talk about math in this episode, but learning, the learning codes that she helps Um, She supports communities and families and kids and now other educators to help more so that we can broaden this goal of really understanding ourselves and becoming lifelong learners. So Kohila, I'm always grateful to have conversations with her. She was one of our sponsors for our How to Be an Awesome Homeschooler Summit, uh, our last summit, and uh, she's a regular sponsor as well with that. And Um, Just a shout out to what she does and what she creates as well. And really the biggest thing is she's supporting learners to be confident, to strive and to to thrive, I should say as well. And she really believes in creating the right environment, looking at our individual children and knowing your big why. You know, really she feels that nothing can stop us when we know our big why. So enjoy this episode. Let me know how you like it. Links to contact Kohila are in the show notes as well. I definitely recommend checking that out. Enjoy the episode. So welcome. I have Kohila Sivas of Math Codes and Learning Codes joining me today. Kohila, welcome. I'm so happy to have you back on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be back. (laughs) Good, good, good. I'm very happy you're glad to be back. Thank you. So Kohila Sivas is the creator of the Revolutionary Math Codes Method, a unique system designed to recover learning loss in math. Kohila blended the math hacks she discovered to demystify math and merge them with a coaching methodology that can transform any struggling student. She also created the Meta Learning De-Stress Method, a method grounded in brain science and neurolinguistics. This method helps the stressed out learners to de-stress themselves by talking to their brains and teaches them how to learn to learn. She developed these systems over 23 years, working one-on-one with over 1,600 struggling students. Kohila was once a struggling math student herself and now a math and learning success coach, reformed tutor, ex-teacher, behavioral interventionist and math interventionist, number one best-selling author, master NLP practitioner, and certified hypnotherapist. 
She is also a fearless entrepreneur, parent, and a lifelong fighter and learner. Since 2018, she and her partner, Rod Bellamy, have trained passionate educators to launch and grow independent learning success coaching practices using her methods. Thank you, Kohila. I'm so happy you're here today. And there's actually a few things I wanted to ask you before we fully get in and get started. Okay. You're a reformed tutor. <laughs> what does that mean, a reformed tutor? Well, I, I when I left uh, teaching, I thought, you know, um, the school system wasn't the place for me. So I started becoming a tutor on the side, right? So I was building that business. And eventually, I, I've i just traded another, one burnout to another burnout and another failing system to another failing system. So it was just wasn't working. And that's during those struggles is when I really patterned the methodologies and, you know, what I have now as a learning success coach, I had to come up with it as I was working with the students because it wasn't math. They were coming help. Most of the time I thought they came from math. Right. It was more right. than math. Right. Okay. Right. It was, it was, so it wasn't working and I was just being, a lot of the time I took blames for kids failing because mm. I couldn't get the help they needed. And I went above and beyond my times that they were, they, they paid me to make differences and then eventually, you know, during those years, I figured out that what my students needed was coaching, not tutoring. Right. Okay. So maybe you can, can you can tell us a little bit about the difference between tutoring and coaching then. So that like, what's the defining thing with that? Yeah. So when parents look for a tutor, they're looking for it because they have an immediate problem, right? They have something that they need to be solved. There's a test coming up or their kids have fallen behind in the class. But there are a lot of other reasons that their child is not doing their work, why they're at that situation. As a tutor, I'm not going to be able to figure out what's happening underneath that surface Mm -hmm. of problems. Basically, I just go in and here's how you do it. Here, do it. Here are the steps. Let's get it done. Go and try to memorize this and do it on the test if you can. And if they can, they will do it. If they don't, they fail. And then it's kind of a cycle. And then the student learns to become dependent on the tutor myself because they think I need to go back to Kohila to figure out how to do the next test. Next test. I'm never going to, I'm not teaching them to learn to learn. Hmm. Basically giving them here are some stuff you can go try it out. And if you can memorize it, go for it. Right. So it was just a cycle of creating, you know, children who are becoming dependent on me and who come to me as a homework help. They basically bring, throw the homework and say, let's do my homework. I'm like, okay, how about you do your homework? (laughs) And I just teach you the concepts or I explain to you how to become a learner yourself. And that wasn't something they were going to buy from me as a tutor. When I was sitting across from them as a tutor, they're like, but my parents hired you to be a tutor. Let's do the work. (laughs) So there was that, you know, we didn't have a relationship. There was no relationship. So as a learning success coach, the foundation is building the relationship between the student and the learning success coaches, either me or one of our certified coaches. So it starts from that. And we're looking at what's below the surface for the child not to do their work, not to learn. And why are they struggling? Hmm. Okay. So... For me, it's really clear, and I love that. I love the different differentiation, um, and it's really about going deeper with the coaching because uh, I think that's also a symptom we see often with school, right, is doing the activity, not necessarily learning how to learn, learning to learn, 
but just to get the activity done, to get the homework done, to get the assignment done, to get the grade, to be put in a certain class, to move forward through that kind of treadmill as well. And really coaching is you're going what's below the surface so that the learner can be independent and self-directed essentially, and they can move forward on their own with those tools. So, so here's the thing you started as, I mean, you have a huge background in education and, you know, behavioral interventionist, which actually I didn't realize you also did behavioral interventionist, math interventionist, you're an educator, you were tutoring and coaching, you're an entrepreneur. And I just want to know, let everyone know that's listening that Kohila has been on my podcast before, and she shared a lot of her personal journey, which I felt was really empowering as well. And it was really important to hear uh, how, how you came to this place yourself as you were struggling through life and learning. Uh, so I really recommend you to go back and listen to that episode as well. So you get further perspective and history and background as well. It's a really, really good one. Um, and then we also talked about math in, in that specific episode as well. Mm-hmm. But coming back to that, because many come to you for math, that's kind of like that, you know, vehicle. that, yes, exactly. It's the vehicle, how it's I got to my students. And a lot of parents and with homeschooling and unschooling, that's one of the big questions. It's like learning to read and write and math. But what about math? How will my kids learn to do math? What about higher level of math if they're not in school? Why is math the vehicle, do you think? Why is it a subject that is has so much fear and anxiety around it and so much concern? Yeah. Well, um, for many reasons, but let me start with the fear comes from us uh, coming from a culture. When I was learning math and when you were learning math, it was either right or wrong, right? We would yeah. see check mark, check mark, wrong, 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 wrong. Yes. And if you keep getting wrong, wrong, wrong on your test all the time and you just see this, I mean, you just lose hope. Like, I mean, you're pretty much telling me I'm dumb. Right. It doesn't matter what I write. I'm just going to get a check mark off, 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 off. And then you become part of the system. So I think we were so driven to get the right answer as, as I know, as a parent myself, my dad only drilled me for answers, right? right? If I didn't get it, he would say, why can't you get it? What's wrong with you? It was what's wrong with you. Not how are you processing your mind? Are you processing it clearly? Did you understand the question? He didn't care about any of that stuff. He just wanted the answer like that. So there was a speed. And they also wanted the right answer. So if you don't say both of those things, if it doesn't happen like that, you're dumb. Automatically, you're labeled dumb. And eventually, you just start closing off to the people that are asking you for these answers. You're like, okay, I bet must be dumb because I'm not getting this. Why try, right? Then comes why try. So I was a student myself, just the way that's my story. I was telling myself, why even try? You're going to get it wrong anyway. Another mm. test, another wrong, another failure. Okay. It's, so it's kind of like you t- you start to freeze. I always tell my students that in school, you can't really fight the system because you're going to go back to the system anyway. You have to sit in the classroom and study right. next day. So you're not going to fight and run away. Or you can't even fly from the situation. You're, you're, not, you're not given those two options. Only thing you can do is sit and freeze mm. and act as you're enjoying and looking around and daydreaming, but act as you're doing work. And which is what I mastered as a youngster myself. Right. Which many of us master. Yeah. (laughs) Pretend to do work so they don't pick on you. Right. And don't ask questions because if you ask questions, they'll know you don't know more. You'll, so it's embarrassment too, right? It's a lot of embarrassment, a lot of 
you're always stressing. That's what I would say. My earlier, you were saying the de-stress method mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. to. I was stressed out all throughout my, you know, in when sitting in my math class, the stress level was so high. Is my teacher going to ask me a question? Are they going to ask me to put my hand up? Am I going to be picked? Is my friend going to see my mark? That my neighbor. These were the things I was focused on. I was never focused on. Let's figure out this question. Mm. Right. This happens to all of our students. They're so worried. What are, what is my friend going to think about my math mark as well? Right. So there's a lot of peer pressure, uh, parent pressure, because we come from this culture where right answer was celebrated. Wrong answer was what's yeah. wrong with you, child. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're put down. You feel unworthy, unloved. Essentially, that's what it comes down to. Right. I'm not good enough to be loved. Yeah. Yeah. Some families even gave punishment. Like I would sit on my knees for hours. Mm-hmm. That was my punishment because you didn't know your nine times time. Sit down, mm-hmm. learn it. I was not learning it. I was sitting there going pissed off. Right. I was right. not memorizing, but that was the parents we had. I'm not blaming anybody, but what I'm trying to say is we have to get over that kind of growth that we had. That's what the memories we have. Right. So then I want to add the next part to it is, is genetic. Math is a, gene that you're born with and if you have it you have the math genes if you don't have it you don't have the math genes so if we just tell that to our kids they're like you know kids who who are like me would have said right away I would have picked up on that and said I don't have math genes don't worry about me I'm not a math person I'll never be able to figure it out it's gonna be difficult forever forget about it right right it's an easy pass for me if somebody told me it was about a genes that I was missing in my body Right. I would have declared myself, right? So that's another reason. But it's not. It's not genes. It's not because I'm a living proof and many people are living proof of math can be learned and it needs to be approached as a language. Because there are so many words in math that my students don't even know what it means. Mm. And we never approach it like a language. So if I'm going to learn a new language like Spanish, I have to learn how the words are spelled, how, what does the word mean? Like, I'm not going to be able to pronounce words. And if I do, I'm going to sound silly and I am going to be laughed at because a native speaker is going to think like I'm an adult talking like a little kid, right? Which happens. So it's sort of like that is what comparison I make because at the same time I was struggling with math. I was also struggling to learn English when I moved to Canada. Mm-hmm. So I have this parallel comparison with both of them. Like, just like I was learning English. Right. I need to learn math as well. Right. Another language you're learning. It's another language, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's an international language. Right. Everybody uses it. Right. So then I tell my students that there's a rules that are governing the subject. Like a lot of students are rebellious against rules. They're like, why why do I have to do it like that? Mm -hmm. And if a teacher can't explain it or if they don't get it, they're like, I'm not going to do it that that way. It doesn't make sense to me. Right. So there's not we don't have that ability to explain a lot of rules. We don't bring in this history behind those rules. Like who invented this? Who invented that? Why did they invented this? We never talk about the back history of math. Never kind of tell the concept. Here's the Pythagorean theorem. Use it. Right. It's 90 degree triangle. Just use it. Don't worry about it. Just use it. It'll give you the other sides. Right. But if we could bring in that storytelling to our students, 
about the men and women who discovered those. Why did they discover it? How did pi came into effect? And why is that number so important? All of these things, it makes the student wants to learn too, right? It makes more meaningful for them. It makes it, okay, now I have a tool. So then I tell them formulas are just tools. Like it just like you're gonna use a shovel to, you know, shovel the snow. Let's use a formula to do the same job or unless you can come up with it, you tell me. Right, right. Is there it's another a, way? Yeah, it's a whole different way of looking at it. And I love that. I, you know, the math language, learning a new language, learning the history, the, the culture, the story behind it. it you know, it, it's kind of like its own entity in that way. And that makes so much sense. Just the basic vocabulary. You're right. If you Pythagorean ther- theorem, you might look at it and think, I don't even know how to pronounce that yes. or spell it. Spell it. Never mind, know how to actually work through it. And then who, like where it came from and why we use it and why it was created. All of that gives meaning to it. And so many times those formulas that we have to memorize and regurgitate, they didn't have no meaning. Because so many kids say, when am I ever going to use this? Why is this even important? You're just making me memorize this. But when am I ever going to use Pythagorean theorem in my real life kind of thing as well? Yeah, I, I love that. Yes, I love that. And and I just wrote a chapter in a book, um, the book I read. And what the, my chapter was about reading the textbook, math textbook, which is something I did when I was bored and daydreaming and pretending to do work, I was focusing on. So every math concepts always in the textbook, the newer books, they tend to, you know, just have a little blur, but older ones actually shared stories of the people who discovered it. So if the beginning of every chapter will have a little bit of a story about the person or the the concept that you're going to learn. Your math books were different than mine because I never remember any stories in mine, but that's good. (laughs) So I would read them because I I need to pretend to do something here, right? (laughs) So I don't get picked. So I would read them. And I remember like the teacher wouldn't go over those stories. But then later, as I got, you know, doing this with many more students myself, I'm like, these stories would have inspired me. If he had said about this, I would have put that into my mind as, okay, this is something very special. Look at this guy. He spent all this time figuring this out for us to use, you know, these angles and figure out the stuff. Wouldn't I put that in my mind? It seems very significant. I'm not going to come up with it. <laughs> Why don't I just put it in, right? <laughs> Keep it for next time. <laughs> but we never got those stories. We just landed onto the, he will say, here's an example. Here's a lesson. Okay, let's do the homework. Right, right. Let's go to the homework and do 70 questions. And right. I'm going to collect that tomorrow to mark. And you're like, okay. Yeah. Where do I copy the answers from? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, because the teacher wants to submit the grade to show the assessment that his class or her class is learning and then moving forward that way. But I, you know, I wonder how many even know those stories themselves. Yeah. No, I, I don't know how many actually would. So, yeah, but they were there. They were there. They could have inspired us. Yeah, absolutely. But maybe that was not part of the curriculum. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I I just get, get, yeah. get the Pythagorean done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It wasn't. So they're not going to do it. They're not going to check it off. Exactly. That's right. Okay. So then you're talking about de-stress. The de-stress. And I think of, yeah, stress is caused when you have the fear and the anxiety and the worry that you're going to get the answer wrong and therefore be wrong. And then repeat that and repeat that. So what, how, why is the de-stress method important for learning? Yeah. So it comes from uh, from me. First, it started with me when I um, I told you, like last time I was on your show that I tried to commit suicide. Right. That was 
So that day when I did it, I have a very good memory of all the conversations I had with my brain. Like I was talking to myself because I had to to decide to do that. Right. There was a big decision between me and my brain that was going on. So I was actually saved. So then I came back to that same math class. I mean, life would be different, right? Because you go through some traumatic event like that. Life, little everything looks a little different. So I I tried to um, use that same way. After that, I started talking to myself more that way. If I can get my brain to do that, I can also get my brain to do this now. Because right. now I'm back. I can't try again. <laughs> I so, ta- so talking to it's talking to yourself more the way of overcoming and personal belief. Is that what you mean? Yeah, and also what you're doing at the time. So, for example, when I'm doing about like when I'm approached, like when I give my students a question, for example, they freeze. But instead, they can start talking to themselves. Okay, what is this question talking about? What are they asking me here? What mm. Have I done this before somewhere? No, I have not. So this is something new to me. What information can I get out of this question? Do I need a formula for this? Do I need a calculator? Like you can talk, meaning like you can de-stress by having that conversation with yourself. Right. If you just go, oh, I have a question, that's it. You're frozen. I'm not going to, then starts the negative talk, right? Then I start talking if I freeze and then I'm going to start saying, yeah, you don't try. Don't worry about it. You never get it anyway. So, and you don't have those genes. So forget it. Instead, I'm starting to be very proactive and I'm talking about the process of solving math. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking for the answer. So I stopped looking for the answers. I just want to know what do I do first, second, third, fourth, fifth. And at the end, I should end up with an answer. And then I will see if it's right or wrong. I was never rushing to that answer before it was all about answer. That also makes you stress. Right. You need the answer. Like if you ask a child what's nine times nine, they only want to say 81. Or if they don't, they're freaking out that they don't know what the answer is. Right. But we can talk about how did I last time remember? How did I store in my brain last time that nine times nine? What did I say to remember that? Did I play with something to remember my times table? All of those things will bring back memories, right? So it calms you down right away when you're having that conversation with yourself rather than just, you know, thinking it as I have a question here, I have to figure the answer out. Right, right. So you're you're breaking it down in order to, to make it easier to understand as well and work yourself through that process. Yeah. And it's a training, like I'm saying some parts of it, but, but children, there's degreeing of stress level, right? They're right. frozen at different levels. I get students with, it's a spectrum of how they talk to themselves. I also listen to their self-talk. Okay. We all have our self-talk, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as a math student, you do have a self-talk. Yeah. What is that self-talk sounds like, looks like? feels like for the students. So I actually get my students to share that with me. So I provide that environment for them so that they can open up and share with me. And I tell them that let's let's make this uh, empowering statements out of this. Instead of saying this, let's make something out of it that it can help you because right now this is not helping. Also allowing the students to identify their self-talk. Okay. And getting them to you know realize that this is what's holding them back. It's not really the math. Right. It's more of your self-talk and what you've ex- experienced before is what's holding you back. Right. And this is what I discovered as a tutor was it wasn't math that was my students were struggling with. It was the self-talk, the stress, mm-hmm. this anxiety that it was put on them or they put on themselves 
and they're just frozen. So I'm I'm learning, I'm helping them unfreeze. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's you you explaining it that way as well. And I, I also think of the way that, you know, the questions, especially for older students, because the idea that, you know, the basics like adding and subtracting, multiplication, division. Maybe some parents feel like, okay, I can I can help my child master that, or we can work through that if we're homeschooling or whatever else, or with homework or whatever. But then getting to the higher level math, then you know, there's a lot of that stress around that, like you know, the different formulas, trigonometry, calculus, and things like that. But that level as well is about breaking it down and understanding the self-talk. I would also imagine though that that self-talk of its negative started fairly early from those adding subtracting stages or maybe even earlier. So how do you help your students to go back to that early place so that they can move forward? Is that part of the process as well? Yes. So I do do an exploration with them as to where their gaps started or where their understanding Uh, dropped or where that fear was induced into them. If wow. they, they did it or the teacher did it or a parent did it, who knows who did it? doesn't matter, but it was induced. Now they've been fearful of that math since then. So mm-hmm. we have, so I have to figure out what that, what that range is, right? Is it grade five? Is it kindergarten? You started fearing mm-hmm. numbers, right? But believe it or not, I get a lot of grade 12 students when they struggle. It's not because they're struggling with log or trigonometry. It's because they don't know how to do their fractions. Right. The foundation is so weak that when they when they put tan over coast, they're like, what now? <laughs> right. It looks like a new language all over again for them. Right. But it's simply a fraction. And I say it's simply a fraction. If you know how to find common denominator, you just have to do it here too, but you have to do it with coast. That's the difference. Right. So it's that triggering of the old, you know, the foundational gaps triggers the uh, the concepts that comes in the future. And then when they don't master those foundation, what happens is they're spending their working memory, figuring out how to do adding fraction when they should, that should just be like coming like this, like they shouldn't be spending any time on it. It should okay. just flow. We just has to look at this as tan and cos. And when I could get them to do that, they're like, oh yeah, tan and cos, no problem. Right. It's not the concept. I always tell them, I'll explain the concept to you. I'll break it down for you. But we do have to go back and pick up your fraction rules. Mm. Because that's what's stopping you. And then I, I also get to them, look, it's not this. Because then they always say, oh, it's trig, it's trig, it's trig. I can't do it. Right. Not trig, not log. Because I'm giving you simplified, you know, rules here. We're following a flow chart here. We're breaking it down. You're focusing on the process. Mm-hmm. But it's not that. Look, where did you get stuck? It's because you don't know how to find common denominator. Right. That was what? Grade three, grade four? Yeah. Grade five. I, I, depending where you live. Yeah. Yes, uh, yeah. Grade five, grade yeah. six. Yeah. Maybe grade, no matter yeah. what, but they're in grade 12. Right. And I had a student come from the University of uh, British Columbia, and she said, I'm in calculus, can you help me? So I was just getting ready to be, you know, doing calculus with her. She comes and she's been doing, uh, using calculator, obviously, for a long time. In UBC, they take the calculator away. So this is why another thing I tell my students, really? stop that calculator, because really? you're not going to get it. Yeah, they do take it. So she was doing it, and she didn't know how to multiply double digits. I thought I was getting ready to teach calculus. Right. She said, calculus is fine. I got that part, but I forgot how to multiply double digits. 
Uh, and we review the double digits. So because they were using calculator, right? She, I mean, it's just because she used calculator so many times that she forgot. So it's like the older concepts are not, unless we make it to be, like if we say, oh yeah, when you get to trick, it's so difficult. Mm. You enter with that, of course, it's going to be difficult. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> like setting yourself up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I remember that. I remember grade 10 math. And that was, a, the, I remember the, I distinctly remember the conversation around math changing. Yeah. And that was a convert like, this is so hard when before, I don't remember, maybe it was my class or what the, the conversation wasn't there before that, but that conversation started and I picked that up. And so every math class, our whole class went in with, oh no, this is going to be so difficult. Started the whole class like that. And the whole class, I think, except for one person, (laughs) struggled because everything was like moving, trying to swim through thick mud from the very beginning. And then I think of parents, dear parents that are listening, (laughs) when you're worrying and anxiety and stress about those higher, like, well, what about trigonometry? I was never able to do that calculus. I was, you know, what about that higher level math? You know, it's our own personal fear of maybe, like you said, going back and we were missing those foundations that we, you know, we thought that we had. Maybe we memorized and regurgitated, but never fully understood it. And then therefore couldn't apply it and keep and and go forward with it and build on it. Math certainly is a building process. It's actually so many different areas, whether it's graphing or just are the repetition of the same thing, but just in a different way, you know, the patterns that are building. But, you know, it's also like I think of myself, I did not see that in math until I was adult doing it with my kids where it began to the language. I began to understand the language and see, oh, this actually is the exact same thing. This you, even though it's a different unit, it's the same thing that we just did in this other unit. It's just a different way of looking at it. It's a different pattern. That's re- it's the same pattern repeating itself, but maybe in a different way to get there. Mm-hmm. But I just couldn't grasp that when I was learning. When I was, but in you also was probably saying to yourself, "I'm not good at it." Maybe absolutely, yeah, yeah, totally. Because that that's like this, right? You have a wall. And the math is trying to penetrate through that wall. And you're like, nope, no, I don't think I understand you. Stopping get away it. From that. Get yeah. away from me. So that's that's the barrier that I have to remove from my student is, is it math that you don't understand? Right. Or is it how we're approaching it? Or is it how you've been taught in class? Right. Let me show you another way, right? Let's right. look at it like this. Uh, let's break it down. And then I think removing the right answer, I never worry about my students getting right answer or getting their grades. Okay. I said, can you teach it back to me? You be my teacher and can you show me how this is done? And and then I give the responsibility back to my students as parents, as homeschooling, they can also do that. Give them that ownership. It's going to teach them so many different skills as well. But in math, if they could teach it back to you, that's one of my method as well. then they really have to know what they're talking about. Right, right. And if they make up something, I'm like, hmm, are you trying to teach me wrong here? Mm. I don't know. Does that make sense? And they're like, hmm, no, no, sorry, sorry. That's not how, like, you know, they can be able to even fix it. So I play along with them as, are you sure? Seems not right to me. And then they have to tell me the rules, right? Like it's all rules, right? That's another thing is to, like, you have to really surrender to the math rules. 
Mm. Yeah, force it up. Because I, I, then I, t- I have to talk to my students about why do we have to have it as a rule? Because everybody's following. If I do it in Canada, somebody in you know Malaysia has to get the same answer. Mm, okay, right. Like if I can't make up my own thing, I wish I can, but I can't because then we, we you know. <laughs> <laughs> Two it really does equal five. I promise yeah. you that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, but so I actually have to also talk to your student or child about that. How it's a rule, and it's unfortunately we can't break it because it's international language. Right. Like if you, you know, we're dealing with, you know, stock markets and stuff, we can't change the way the numbers are added or subtracted or how percentages work because then the whole place would be chaotic, right? Right, right. So telling them that there's a rule that you have to follow, but those rules are not set because somebody thought it was the best rule to put out there. It's not like a political rule, right? Right. It actually works with the nature and right. works with the system that we all accepted to be a worldwide system. Right. for our money and the currency stuff, right? So it's not something that somebody else has created. It, it has a proof to it as well. Right, right. So right. It's, it's okay for you to buy it because I always tell my students, you should question the rule, but when you know the history of the rule and who created it and why he created it, that's why I told you earlier those stories, mm-hmm. yep. Yep. will help some students buy that story because there are a lot of students I come up with, they don't like the rules. Like, mm-hmm. Why do I have to follow it? Because they're a bit rebellious or they're just like, I want to test this rule or they ask why, mm-hmm. why that's, this way? That'd be me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for that, you have to take them back and say, here's what happened. Here's why they did this. Here's how they needed this. Here's why they needed to put this formula in for fact. So you don't have to come up with the formula every single time. Right. So we are using it as a tool, but back then they didn't have it. They were figuring it out every time, but then they came to this formula. It works. So we're using it. Okay. Okay. I love this conversation. Thank you, Kohila. So good. And I know parents are going to love this as well, too. Okay. So then, so then we've talked about, you know, de-stressing our self-talk, where, where we personally are at when we come to, you know, learning how to learn and learning to learn as well in that process. And, you know, so we both came to, I know you through math codes, you know, that's, we came to the convert, actually, we came together first, actually, for a learning summit that you created, really, even before I knew about math codes. And then I got to know you over time. And I learned about math codes. And um, I, I love, like, having you on the show in our clubhouse rooms. You've been a wonderful sponsor for our homeschooling summit as well. I just love the work that you do. It really resonates with my belief as well in learning and education and self-directed learning as well. So. And many come to you through math, but you've also, so you bridge that and build that through learning codes, not just math codes. Because you see, math is maybe the thing, the sticky point, but there's more to that. There's a deeper level. There's more going on behind that. Um, But you've also, like, you have been working on the neuroscience behind that as well, too. Can you talk more about that and what you found within that process of how our brains work and how they're working when they're doing math when they're receiving coaching and the differences of, of what you've seen through the studies that you've done? Yeah. So one of the thing is that when a child is stressed out, mm-hmm. it's almost like they're standing in the middle of a forest with no way out. They okay. just see they're trapped. There's no exit, right? So I tell my students that they have to create a pathway to get out of this place. 
Okay. So the only way to create a pathway in math or any subject for that matter is to start talking to yourself. So that's where my training comes in. The coaching part comes in. How, that coaching is uh, involves how are you going to talk? What are you hearing? What are you hearing at that moment from you? Are you hearing that I don't have genes? Then the talk would be about that. Mm. Is that true? <laughs> Where's the genes, right? So I actually get them to tell me that the voice or the whatever they're saying to themselves. And we talk about, is it true that you don't have genes? Is it math genes? Then, you know, I, I can share thousands of stories to make them change that point of view, right? Or if they're stuck, so that creating that pathway when they're stuck in that forest is by talking to their brain. That's the neurological pathway that I'm creating. The more you create with, you know, stories, that pathway gets permanent. Right. And that's why you no longer, they no longer will be stuck anymore. Right. Because I'm getting them to create that again and again. Right. So, so that's, that's how the science part of it came in because I did a, a study with the neurologist where I was getting my students to do something without them uh, you know, talking to themselves. And then I did it afterward with when they are talking to themselves, the results and the way our brain was communicating change because it's no longer afraid of something. It's just now solving. It's enjoying that process. I just have to do this process. What is my next step? What can I look for? What do I need for this? Have I seen this before? Have I talked to Kohila or another coach or whoever was helping me about this? Didn't I do this other day? How did I do it? Like you can always bring back memory. And the next part is that I don't think our kids know how to, how our brain works. Okay. This thing operates everything, but we don't really know how it works. Right. So another thing is about, you know, telling them how that works and explaining to them exactly how memory works. You can't throw stuff in here. Like, you know, randomly and then expect to pick it up later. If I ask them nine times nine, they do need to have a file name. So then I teach them about and talk about how to file stuff so that you can get them out. Okay. So how do you file stuff in order to get that? I'm curious. Like, so how, like, what do you say to a young person, a teenager, to an adult? This yeah. is how, this is one way you can file stuff in order to retrieve it. So it's, it goes with, for example, for times table, you, you're going to think it's so simple. Maybe it's not even a thing, but I'm telling you after proving it with so many kids, this is it. Everybody says, you know, if I say nine times table, can you tell me? They'll say nine, 18, 27, right? Mm -hmm. What's nine, 18, 27? Next time they see nine times nine, they don't have any file name to get 81. It's just floating around like 81, right? 81 can be for anything. Right. So where is that file name? So for times table... I've have helped thousands of kids now is to say nine times nine is 81. Okay. Okay. So when you say, so when we see nine times nine on a piece of paper, where our, our eyes are going to pick that up and we're going to read it right. Nine times nine mm -hmm. is, and the brain will just fire back 81 because you stored it with that. Okay. With the eye memory hearing memory, you store it with that. So the kids who have hard time with times table, this works amazingly. Okay. Well, it goes together. So it then it has to be like that. As well. The okay. is word is critical for okay. your brain. Okay. The is the word is, nine is times math, nine is 81. Is in math is equal. Is always, if you see any problem with is in it, it always means equal sign. 
Right. Okay. Right. Even in work problems, if you say, uh, you know, Mary went to buy this and he did this and, you know, what is, is always equals. Right. Okay. Sign is equal, right? So that's why you have to memorize it just like that. Eight times eight is, the is is the critical part because okay. that's where the storage happens. Okay. Every time they say that that's store stores. And the next time they just have to look at eight times eight. And the brain will fire 64. Right. Okay. It's like the filing cabinet and you've written that on there and you pull open the drawer. Oh, there's 64. You're looking through eight times eight. Here it is. Okay. Okay. And after you don't even have to say it, your, your eyes will do it. Right. To the fact that's when you mastered it because your eyes just knows it's 64. Right. How did it know? Because you filed it. So it it's, it out. So in order, as part of creating that file, do you recommend there to be a visual, a touch, a hearing component, like all of as many sensory components as possible in order to create that file? Yeah. And it changes for child to child, right? That's why our, our my coaching is always uh, customized and tailored. Some kids love to touch. Some kids just like to draw. Right. Yeah. Right. And some kids just like to say it. Or right. some of them just like to sing it. Yeah. It is a part. Move it. Dance move it, out. it Yes. Right? Yes. So um, it depends on the student. But the more ways you can do, as we've proven, you know, as in science, that it's better because all sensory is working, right? Multidimensional. Right. But I find that it's, I just asked them, how should we store this? Okay. It's the so best way for you to store this. So I give a lot of, uh, you know, parents who are listening, give a lot of, at homeschool, you can give a lot of power to the student, your mm-hmm. child. Then let, you know, when we're, I don't know about other parents, but I was very controlling, right? Like I needed to do it this way or that way, because that's where my parents that's taught what you me. learned. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So for me to step back and just listen to them was hard. Right. But over the years, that's what I do with my students. I never, I'm not, I, I'm not on the sideline for them as a coach. I, I watch what works for them and I ask them what works for them. Right. And that parents can do at homeschool. And, and you asked one question that I want to touch on is that about parents, how they can help their kids at home, yes. right? Yes. It's really important for me to share some. It's that I want them to do two things. These are something that I've noticed over the last year, especially with working with a lot of homeschooling families, unschooling, right? One is that if you're going to homeschool them, you have the freedom to make it a project-based learning. Every concept that you take, make it into a project and involve other other parts to it, like the history behind math. Those concept history can be taught and that could be a written assignment. So you're not teaching English, socials, uh, history, all of it. Right. So that making that can be a a conversation for the whole family as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So not in isolation. You don't have to teach math in isolation when you're homeschooling. Mm, Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. And not just like it's math time. Let's get out these worksheets and textbook. It's here's our daily life. Oh, this is an example. You see this. You know, this construction site, this is how Pythagorean theory applies. Yes. Remember, we talked about Pythagoras and how that was, uh, yes, yeah, bringing yes. into the whole conversation. conversation. Yes. That way they, and and then also not doing too much of the worksheets. Okay. Just because they did our worksheet doesn't mean they captured the concept or the idea. Right. A lot of students find them as punishments. Yeah. 
Yes. It's tight because our kids are learning in a very like fast paced environment, right? Mm -hmm. When you send them away and say, okay, half an hour, you have to do the pages. They're just going half an hour. I have to do this page. (laughs) (gasps) Half an hour, (laughs) right? (laughs) When is this time going to be over? (laughs) It's a sentencing. Yeah. Yeah. Rather you could ask them to do two questions and explain them back to you. Mm. Tell them, teach, teach it back to me. Now they, they're learning how to speak out loud. They're being a teacher. They're teaching you. And you know they got it or not, because if they don't, they won't be able to teach you. Yeah. Like, huh? I don't understand. I don't get the right answer. You could even pretend. I, I do a lot of pretending with my students to be a student with them. So when I do that, I say, okay, let me try your method. Okay, you're saying if I do this and I do this, I should get my answer. Okay, I did it. Let's look at the answer. Oh, no. I guess it's not correct something's not right so you can play i mean younger they are you can have so much fun right you can yeah yes yeah absolutely so much fun so the other thing is yeah worksheets you don't have to work put them to worksheets yeah master them like that and involve that math concept as much as possible where you can they can actually do something with it right like i have students that i i actually take on and you know do their homeschooling part of the math curriculum with them i have them all on project-based learning Mm, okay okay so and then i'm thinking or what if you're like if you're a parent who lives in a place that has strict your homeschooling and that you have to they're like we want to see the proof of learning we want to see those assessments we want to see those worksheets um so i'm thinking that maybe instead it's like they're doing those questions and explaining them and you videotape that and so that they can hear and they can see that they understand the concept or they've used it in building something within a project or they're referencing it again or in, you know, a conversation or a story that they've written and they're able to, um, they're able to, to show their understanding through that too. So what if you're a parent who part of your fear and anxiety is you don't know yourself uh, you know, coming to that understanding, um, like I hear it when you say it, like it, this applies to the parents as well, not just to your kids, because for you, one modeling, showing them that you can still learn, that you maybe don't know everything, but you can go back. You can, you know, come, you can learn how to learn. It's learning to learn as well. It's not about, oh, I just know the answer. This is what it is, but yourself as well, learning. So you understand, and then you can see how they understand it as well. Do you have any other suggestions for parents that maybe themselves are struggling? Because I think a lot, I know you've worked with parents as well, and sometimes it's the parents that are struggling and can't communicate or understand themselves. I think, I think we should, I I always reflect on myself. How did I feel when I was on at school, right? Like when I'm talking to my son, I always think about what did I do as a student? Right. Was I always happy to do homework? Mm. No. Right. I, you know, I could use less time to do homework. I like that. Right. Because that was who I was. So, you know, understanding your child also feels that way. We, we can't put our expectation or over expectation or even under expectations are all bad things. Right. It's that finding that right balance where your child is involved. Like all my students want to do well for me because they're involved with me. They always say it. I, I'd like to make it. I want to go do well for you. Because they believe that I believe in them as right. well, right? And they believe in themselves as well. But this is one thing that I, constantly they tell me. That's because I made them part of the team. I said, I'm here to help you. 
I'm, you know, I'm, I can help you whenever you need help. I'm here for you, but also allowing them that space as a parent and not to be with them when they're doing it, giving them the time and shortening those worksheets. And mm-hmm. even if it's needed for their, um, you know, to show somebody for the homeschooling, you know, the curriculum or whatever, what they could do is that if they don't have to do so many worksheets, they can cut the worksheets down, but they can give them a test at the end. And that's something else I wanted to touch on is the timer. I think a lot of parents are giving, many of my students who come are struggling when they go back into the school system, if they do ever, or into the real world and anything, the time is still with us. Even if we homeschool, we have to maintain the time. So what you can do is at the end of doing a few questions, not a whole bunch of worksheets, you they mastered the concept, they teach it back to you. What you could do is get them to do a timed test. Now you're teaching them the real world is on a timer, right? The time has to be a part of them. You can't give them all the time they want just because they're at home. I mean, I'm not saying you do everything without time, but there has to be a part of the day or part of the week where you're saying, okay, we're going to do in 15 minutes, we're going to do this. And this is going to be a brain race for you. We're going to, you know, we're going to work on our brain muscle and we're going to get it all, you know, strong. So you can use any words you want, but you have to train them under time because a lot of kids who go back to school that I work with, they're actually failing because they don't know how to manage the time. And that creates anxiety on its own. Right, right. They blank out. They're like, I don't know anything. Right. But they so manage, do. manage the time like within their classroom and assignments or within the class subject time. So the class that they're in, it's like they're attending a class from 1015 to 11 o'clock, for example. So they have to focus on getting that work done or that exam done within that time and managing and understanding that. Yeah. Like you can do every day without a timer, but at least once a week, just have that brain race time or brain exercise time where I'm going to time you and you're going to do it under this time. So they get exposure to the time pressure because right. we got to go back to the, the, you know, real world has timer, right? Doesn't matter where you go. So that gives them that pressure. I got to get this done. Mm-hmm. And then they learn that. And over years, when they do go back to school or they go to college or university, when time will be a problem, mm-hmm. right? Then they know, yeah, I do used to do that all the time at home. You know, on Fridays, we did our math, the five question. I did it in five minutes. I know how to do that. Right, right. It's not totally new for them. It's something they've already used and practiced. Yeah. 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 So when I get my students who are going back into high school or stuff like that from homeschool, Mm -hmm. this is something that I'm working on. And they actually, I mean, it's more fear than stressful than knowing math actually yeah I was gonna say like I guess that's also the other part of it is as a parent understanding if you know your child is going back to school from homeschool for example understanding when to introduce that with care and love instead of like right away like okay this is Friday we got to have this in like this is something you have to learn and so it becomes it's not stressful as well, right? Because like you said, it can be a whole other thing (laughs) along with that, right? Never mind. It's like, they're just worried about the time. Never mind understanding and getting through maybe those questions kind of thing. Because I I, I see it happen within the school kids as well that have like blank out and can't, you know, they do two questions within a time uh, or like, you know, it's other things that they just even managing that as well is really different. The stress, they're in their head, the whole thing again, right? And they just can't get past that. 
that fear, that anxiety of that too. Yeah. Yeah. That, and you know, you can introduce it slowly. Like if you're new to homeschooling, it could be like, you know, you go through unschooling times and stuff, right? Just as much as you enjoy it, make it the timed activity enjoyable too. That's why I say to my students, we're going to exercise the brain. It also needs exercise. So now it's an exercise, not a right. you know punishment. I'm going to punish you under time because that can be also a problem for parents homeschooling. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Being aware and observant. Absolutely. Okay. Well, speaking of time, yes, <laughs> I know we are at our time as well. So um, I also want to honor that and make sure that you've been able to share everything that you've been want, you wanted to share. I know we know of you through mathcodes.com, but you also have learningcodes.com as well. Could you tell us a bit about quickly about the difference between that two and then how we can reach you, how, you know, we can learn more and get in contact with you. Yeah. Right now, um, mathcodes.com is the only way to reach me or on social media. Of course, I'm everywhere. But we do have success codes is the other brand. Sorry, right? thank you. Yes. <laughs> and uh through success codes, I am training and certifying learning success coaches. They are teachers from U.S. and all over the world. They are leaving for the same reason that parents usually take their kids out of the you know, school system. They are passionate, but they cannot deliver meaningful um, education or learning environment for their students. Right. So I am sharing what I've been able to share with my students with them so that they can leave or even, you know, do this on a side, but they are certified in all subjects. So that is, uh, I'm building a new website. It's not ready yet, but it'll be learning successcodes.com. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But it's not ready yet. But if you, if anybody wants to reach me, mathcodes.com is the place. Okay. And I do have all subjects now, instead of just math, we yeah. do have people using the meta learning de-stress method. And just um, not working for the marks itself, but in a holistic way so that the child can learn to be an independent learner and a thinker, right? Because that's what we want. Learning to learn is a skill that we are not taught anywhere. Yeah, no. Anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're not taught that anywhere. That's right. Okay. I will have all of this in the show notes as well. So if you're listening, you can go to the show notes and just tap the link. I'll have it linked directly. Both Kohila's website, mathcodes.com, where you can also find more about meta learning de-stress method. Um, And then your social media links as well. I'll, I'll include that too. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate the rich conversation and I love learning something new all the time, which I find I always do. And I absolutely learned a ton today. So thank you, Kohila. Always appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Me too. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you. Always. Thank you. Yes. Awesome. Take care. Take care. care. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website imhomeschooling.com or email me directly, robin at imhomeschooling.com. homeschooling.com.